It's three minutes after 12 and you are listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where Mystery Hour begins. Your weekly opportunity to achieve the sort of satisfaction not ordinarily available to you anywhere else on your radio. And indeed it comes with two promises. Guarantees, you could call them. Pledges. Cast iron. Guarantees. By one o'clock today you will know more than you do now. It may not be knowledge that you're particularly grateful for. It may not be knowledge that you're able to put to any use whatsoever in the future but it will however be knowledge and you will have more of it by one o'clock than you do now the other pledge i routinely make at this point in proceedings every week is that you will probably have a a, a laugh not probably it's a guarantee you will laugh out loud between now and one o'clock whether it's at something i've done intentionally or not time will tell if you are not familiar with this feature, you should know two things. The first is that it's by far, the, in terms of the switchboard and the phones, by far the most popular hour of the week on, on LBC, which means that when you hear me say the number, you've really got to hit redial quick. Otherwise, you'll, you'll never get through. Some people manage to get through on a regular basis, but, but routinely, there's probably a couple of thousand people every week who don't get through. So don't take it personally if you fail. If you do get through, then there are two things you need to know if you really want to get your question on air. The first is that it ideally won't be repetitious. Uh, I grant you that there's no way you can know whether or not the question's been asked before. You can have a look at the archive at lbc.co.uk, but we'll try to remember. Um, and the second is dullness. Dullness, dullness, dullness. Because if it is a question to which nobody else is going to be interested in the answer, then we probably won't put it on for reasons that I don't think need explaining, do they? The only rule of Mystery Hour is that you're not allowed, if you're going to answer a question that somebody else asks, nobody um, is allowed to look anything up. Last week, I forgot to tell you this. It was an appalling moment in Mystery Hour's history. I completely forgot to tell you the only rule there is. We've got so many people discovering LBC, discovering this show, and Mystery Hour in particular for the first time. I, I presumed, I, I, I forgot to tell you the rule, so one fellow rang in, I said, what are your qualifications for answering that question? He said, oh, I just Googled it, James, cool as you like. And there, in a nutshell, was why we don't allow Googling, or indeed employment of any other search engine or work of reference. Otherwise, there'd be no mystery hour. This is, if you will, a celebration of good old-fashioned values, like education and uh, enlightenment, the accruement of knowledge. Is accruement a word? Well, it is now. And that's what we like about it, in that we get to show off stuff we know. Okay. And I don't care how you know it. When I ask what your qualifications are, you're perfectly entitled to say, I saw it on the Discovery Channel last week. But you might say, as our most regular contributor does, oh, I happen to be the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton. There are a myriad of ways in which you might have arrived at the knowledge that you can furnish us with on Mystery Hour. I think that's it, isn't it? Number remains the same. You, you, if, you, if you're new to it, you'll work out pretty quickly how things unfold. And if you hear somebody ask a question to which you do know the answer, then please ring. It's so much more fun when you do. Marie is in Finchley to kick us off this week. Question or answer, Marie? It's a question. Carry on. Um, so why is it the newborn babies, uh, some of them will stay absolutely still, they won't move, and some of them are constantly kicking around, they'll, like, it's like they're excited, but they're not, they're not completely responsive to the outside world yet, so it's not like they're excited, but they're just continuously like, kicking around, moving around, they just don't keep still. Are you, are you in this zone at the moment? Yeah, I'm a mother of a four-month-old baby who's... Uh, have you got a kicker or... Have you got a kicker or... I've got a kicker. Got, well, I, I mean, look around, Marie. I don't know, I can't believe I'm doing this so early on in the week. I'm about to start pretending I know the answer to this, but I think I mind. Don't you see it with adults as well? Some, some of us are fidgeting all the time, some of us can't sit still, and some of us can. But isn't that due to nervousness? No. Or? No, I've got restless really? leg syndrome. Okay, but do you think my baby has a syndrome then? 
No, I can't. Oh, God, I don't think anything of the sort. I just think some people sit still and some people don't. Have a look at any group of people. Some of them will be fidgeting and some of them won't. You've got a fidgeter. It's good. It's a sign of a creative mind. Really? Do you think there's something else? You're looking for another explanation? What else could there be? I don't know. I'm not really convinced by that. What? You've got baby brain. Have you asked the health visitor? Uh, no, I haven't actually. I, I can't. I can't see whatever that answer you, you'd be expecting. I, I'll put it on the board. Why do some newborn babies fidget a lot and others don't? Yeah. Yeah, but I, how can you say that you don't like my answer? Is it the same with four four months old, forty year old? I, uh, <clears throat> I, I just feel like I ask people, and it's like, well, it's just like just because. I, yeah, I exactly. About the comparison to adults. Well, that, but... that's it. That should be the end of the conversation. It's such a powerful comparison. I can't believe you're still talking to me. Okay, if you can't find a natural, a natural explanation by the end of an hour, you can give it. Doesn't work like that, mate. No, 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 no. It does not work like that. <laughs> if you can't suggest an answer that might be even more impressive than mine, but we don't yet know is true, then we take mine. It's Occam's razor. Why it's O'Brien's razor. Once you've eliminated the impossible, well, no, the most the most plausible available answer is almost always the correct one. Mm. All right, I'll leave it. Fine. I get. No, I'm not going to argue with you. Okay, fine. Thank you. No, you're welcome. Absolutely fine. It's not like I invented Mystery Hour and keep it alive every week through the own sheer effort of will on my part. It's fine. No, you'd be ungrateful. John's in Port Talbot. John, question or answer? Question. Carry on. According to this here, I haven't got a clue how it came into my mind, but why do chickens lay eggs every day and no other birds do? Well, we've bred them that way. Well, how? how? How do they lay eggs every single day? And it doesn't have to be battery with the lights come on. They just do every they, single I, day. I know. They'll knock one out. One one per chicken per day, generally, if they're healthy yeah. and not, not too old and or, or, or traumatised. But we've, we've bred them to do that. But, but they don't understand how it's... Um, what do you mean? It's like... Um, it, it, well, it shouldn't... I don't know how it, it would have... How, how can you breed somebody or something to... I, 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 do you know what? I'm with you on this. I, no, I'm actually on your side. I, I think I, I've, th- I've, I've chucked in a glib throwaway uh, answer, and it doesn't necessarily stand up to scrutiny. I'm pretty sure that it is um, uh, going to be pretty close to what I've said, but I can't tell you how. So, frankly, with you and with the last caller, John, you're too polite to say so, but it's time I shut up a bit, isn't it? Well, no, it's not, and it could well be the right answer which you've given me, which... uh, But I I can't back it up with anything, John. I can't can't back it up, man. I'm just blowing smoke at you now. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. (laughs) Well, I hope somebody somebody out there will be able to tell us. Yes, me too. Okay, why do chickens lay an egg a day, and why do some newborn babies move around more than others? I'm with you. I'm with with everyone thinking I'm talking too much. Ten minutes after twelve is the time. Mark is in Macclesfield. Mark, question or answer? It's a question, James. Carry on. Um, the advertisers that come onto the radio stations and, uh, and TVs, they often use uh, stories these days. Uh, I just wanted to know whether those stories are always real life. Are they, are they always true? I, th- I, th- I think if it's not, they'd have to say so. I mean, yeah. Are you thinking of any adverts in particular? Well, there's one that uh, banks tend to use them, don't they, as, as customers that are going through a particular situation, and um, I think there's one that's running at the moment on LBC. Oh, steady on. We're not supposed to talk about the adverts. No. 
I mean, you are now. You brought it up. No, I know. I, I suddenly realised that as soon as I said it. I thought you were going to talk about the lottery ones, which I think are recordings of real voices and real stories. But the bank ones, I don't think under uh, advertising standard authority rules they'd be allowed to invent something. It must be based on real life, yes. But and, uh, are they the people that actually narrate the adverts, though? Or that, that's, un- that's less likely. That's, very, yeah. that, that, that's less likely. They, they just seem a bit polished somehow. They will be. So that's why I like the, 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 the lottery ones that don't sound polished. They really do sound like the people have just rung up and they've recorded the call and they find oh, yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the opposite of what you're describing. You're describing the ones who sound quite slick, almost like professional yeah. actors. Exactly, yeah. They will be professional actors, but the stories will be true. Is that one for the board, then? I think it probably is, mate, don't you? Yeah, All right. like it. Don't go away yet. I need to go. I need to ask you to do me a favour. Okay. Uh, next time you go past Rigi Bianchi down by the station in yeah, Macclesfield, I know well. yeah, I know. Everyone in Macclesfield does pop in and say hello to Mr. Bianchi Junior from James O'Brien. All right. I certainly will. Yeah. Good, good man. It's uh, twelve minutes after twelve. <laughs> Round of applause for me. <laughs> Nicola is in Bromley. Nicola, question or answer? Question, James. Yes. Why do toenails grow so much slower than fingernails? Are you sure that they do? Yeah. I cut my fingernails once a week, probably, and toenails like once a month, if that. Ugh. You must, you, <laughs> you must have talons on your feet. <laughs> are, are you they, sure, do, they grow so much slower than No, but you, you, wear, you no, they don't. If you wear your fingernails much, much... Really? Do fingernails and toenails grow yeah. different? Seriously, have you never looked sunlight, at Sunlight, because they don't get any sunlight, you see. Well, that was what I thought, but that just sounds ridiculous. What? Like no, sunlight. it doesn't. Why? Because in the summer, I'm constantly wearing open-toe sandals and fix-ups and things like that, and, and they still don't grow as quick as my fingernails. Okay, coming into contact with stuff. That's not <laughs> going to work either. I thought I knew... No. I'm having a nightmare this week. Between you and me, Nicola, I'm having an absolute shocker. On Mystery Hour this week. I'm not even sure I deserve the last round of applause about the adverts, but I've, I've blown it with the chickens, I've blown it with the newborn babies, and I've blown it with the toenails as well. I'll leave it on the board. I'll try. Why, I, I, I think you're right. Toenails do seem to get cut less often than fingernails. Why, why would that be? Why do they grow slower? It's the same stuff coming out of a very similar digit or part of the body. Um, right, two things. I'm sorry for trying to answer it. Okay. And I promise I will get you an answer by one o'clock today. I look forward to hearing it. Uh, three things, and I'm very sorry for comparing your feet to talons. <laughs> I'm sure yours probably aren't much prettier. Mine is shocking at the moment, mate. I look like a hobbit. It's 12.14. <laughs> it's because Mrs O'Brien's away. Jasmine's in Brighton. Jasmine, question or answer? It's a question, James. Yes. Uh, <laughs> nice to speak to you again. Uh, Jasmine, my, my life is already feeling better than it did 47 seconds ago, just for hearing your dulcet tones on, on, on the radio programme once again. Oh, darling. Oh, Jasmine. <laughs> well, the question is, because of the smoking ban, yes. where people used to put the cigarettes into ashtrays and they would be put into the bins, now everyone is smoking outside, especially in big cities like London. Very true. They're smoking outside. And, um, of course, the street cleaners go around, uh, you know, sweeping up um, uh, a lot of them. But if you look into the drains along the streets, they're ending up in the drains, especially if it rains, they're all washed in there. Will there not come a time when the sewers of London are absolutely chock-a-block 
with uh, cigarette butts, which apparently take a very long time to decompose. Many years, they don't just fall apart in the sewers. You're absolutely right. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, so I, so the, the, they clear the sewers is the answer. They, they routinely, I mean, and also, you know, the, the, the sewage flows somewhere and, and they are routinely clean. But in Sydney, have you been to Sydney ever? It's kind of like the Australian equivalent of Brighton. No. In Sydney, no, I, I remember, I, I was in Sydney possibly 12 years ago, and yeah. I saw near the beach the most ugly thing imaginable, Jasmine. It was like a sort of outlet with a mesh over it, and the mesh was almost exclusively cigarette butts. It, it was like, like piles and piles and piles of them that were being caught on the way towards the beach by this sort of outlet pipe covered in a in a form of mesh and and presumably every now and then although they clearly didn't do it very often someone piles down there and just cleans it all out i see well well maybe the fish are eating it I, they wouldn't be able to it, it'd be horrible i i, I, you, I can't i can't into the sea no i don't i don't, <laughs> I, don't I, I, I think you're being silly now actually jasmine if you don't mind me saying so yes all right darling I, I shall, I, I so the, the answer is no the butts will not block up the sewers but only because they, they they clean the sewers, although that sounds quite regularly. Yes. Do you know what a fatberg is? We'll have someone from the sewers uh, who looks after the sewers, especially of London, to ring up and tell us. Okay, so I won't on. I won't take a round of applause. <laughs> You're, but do you know what a fatberg is, Jasmine? By chance? A, a fat bird. A fat burger with a g, a g at the end, not a d. A fat a fatberg. No. Fa- do you not know what a fatberg is? No, never heard the word. All right, pull up a seat. This is, you're going to enjoy this. Underneath where I am now in Leicester Square, in London town, they routinely, routinely develop fatbergs because so much oil and cooking residue is poured down the drains that it coalesces beneath the streets of the city, Jasmine, and grows exponentially until sometimes you have a burg of fat that will be six feet wide and as high as the sewer pipe itself. And people have to go down there in protective clothing and carve out the fat burg so that the sewage can continue to flow through the pipes. Well, I will say one thing. I have seen many fatbergs above the ground as well. <laughs> and nice to speak to you. <laughs> Jasmine, honestly, it's 12.17. This is... 21 minutes after 12. Sadiq Khan breaking tradition, of course, with the previous mayor by coming on every single daytime programme on LBC to take your calls. Not, dare I say, confining himself to the more comfortable corners of the schedule. He's with Andrew Castle in for Ian Dale today. He's already done it with Sheila Fogarty. He's done it with me and we're doing it with Nick Ferrari next month. 22 minutes after 12 is the time. Back to mystery hour. Questions that need answers. Why do some newborn babies seem to move around a lot more than others? I, I, I know. I don't think that's a very good question either, but, but you try telling the lady who asked it that. Um, why do chickens lay an egg a day? It's not quite an egg a day. I'm going to uh, read a couple of texts on this issue, or one text in particular on this issue, because I quite enjoyed it. It's um, from Simon. You know Simon. Simon from Simon's Free Range Eggs. Yes, that's Simon. He's got 5,500 birds on the farm. Uh, and he tells us chickens don't lay an egg a day. Hybrid birds lay on average 290 to 320 eggs per year. Pure breed slightly less. OK, I, I take your point. But the question still stands. They seem to lay a heck of a lot more eggs than any any other egg layer. Um, I've done that one. Why do toenails grow more slowly than fingernails? The few of you complaining that we've answered this, we have answered this before, but we were wrong. It has nothing to do with socks. 
and shoes and, and toenails rubbing against things. It simply doesn't. I mean, if you think about it, your fingers are in use a lot more than your toes are. So that wouldn't really make sense. And what happens to all the cigarette butts that get washed down the drains? Uh, I, I'm fairly confident I answered that question, but Jasmine wants more. And what Jasmine wants is very simply... Um, satisfaction what happens to them someone who works in the sewers come and tell her steve's in crowborough steve question or answer it's an answer james yes right so toenails um but the reason mainly is because of blood supply um we've got a better blood supply to to our hand because it's nearer to your heart because it's nearer to the heart the um the, the arteries that's supply the blood are slightly larger than they are in the feet so they don't take so much damage over time and the you know the increased level of nutrients coming in and all the nasty stuff getting carried away just basically it's, it's better for for, for nail health so, qualifications uh, podiatrist oh that'll do yeah it's not it's not if if my memory serves correctly though it's it's not completely... I mean, this is the best available explanation. It's not actually been scientifically proven. No, you're absolutely right. It's Gosh. a bit odd, because some really, really common things, you know, it's like, you know, why does someone end up with fungus on their big toenail when it, when it starts as athletes in between the yes. smaller toes? Um, th- there are other reasons for it. Actually, you alluded to, to it just before I came on. You were talking about the footwear. Yes. Um Nails are a little bit like skin. So if you do a manual job, for example, you're using a shovel all day long, um, you get calluses on your hands, yeah, where you rub the skin really hard. Yes. The reason you get the callus is because the skin is supposed to get thicker to protect the soft tissues underneath. Oh, yes. So skin and nails are made from the same stuff, keratin predominantly. And there is a theory that, yes, because you've got more friction, more damage going on in the fingernails, they will grow faster to do what they're supposed to do. To replace um, it. Also, the toenail is thicker than the fingernail, so that might be part. It, it, yeah, w- w- with some people it Mine are. But, but that's, I'm like know, Bilbo Baggins these days. Do I need to come and see a podiatrist? Absolutely. I'll give you the address afterwards. I've got a weird nail as well. While you, you don't mind, do you, while you're here? No, no, no. I, I, don't, don't think less of me. All right, Steve? No. <laughs> I haven't said it yet, but I... I am still at the age of forty-four, able to bite my own toenails. Hmm. I, just, yeah, I, just, I, I know a podiatrist that does that as well. I'm just going to leave that image with people. I'm just going to leave that to sink in for a moment. Anyone currently enjoying their lunch? Lovely. I usually do it after a bath, just to complete the full beauty of that picture. So, and, and once, many, many, many years ago, uh, I, I, I made a terrible mistake. I was trying to bite away at a toenail. And, and I did a bit of tearing rather than biting, and, it, mm. I, I cut, and I've now got a weird toenail. I've had it for 20 years. It, it, it's almost like a V-shape. It grows in a V. It grows like a sort of uh, claw. There's nothing I can do about that, is there now? If it's been there for 20 years. It, it, yeah, and I'll tell you why that's probably happened, because we, we're not supposed to have footwear on. You know, the foot's not designed for it. No. Um, so, so what that does is it introduces constant mechanical trauma onto the nail. That's, yeah. And if that, that trauma goes back down the nail and just behind where the nail disappears into your toe under yeah. the skin, yeah. but, but in there is the nail matrix. And if you damage the nail matrix... Are you yanking oh, my chain now? No, 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 no. This is, this is, this is straight up. You're if, playing me a straight... You're going for the nail matrix. It's the nail matrix, yeah. Well, no, no, seriously, this is this, not that sort of matrix. But, no, obviously, but it's a thing. The nail matrix. I see it a lot. Have I, I corru- Are you telling me, Stephen Crowbrother, that I have corrupted my nail matrix? You have. Oh, my God. 
today just goes from bad to worse. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, you know. And there's no way back. Once the, once the nail matrix is corrupted, that's it. You're stuck with a claw for life. Yeah, it used to be a lot worse than that. People used to do a lot more, you know, it's a particular thing called ostler's toe or ram's horn. That's um, what it looks a bit like, a ram's horn. Ah, well, you have damaged the matrix then. Oh, God. Yeah. Is it sort of going a bit black, discoloured? No, no, no. Oh, hang on. Okay. No, I can't. I've got my posh shoes on. It'll take me ages to get them off. Doing telly tonight, so I've got my grown-up shoes on, not, not pumped. Yeah, but is it heavy ridges? Yeah, heavy ridges. And, and and do the ridges go from left to right rather than from front to back? Uh, yeah, they do now, yeah. Yeah, you've got you've got Osler's toe, buddy, I'm sorry. Oh, shucks. It's that's, not, I mean... Not now. But it's not a thing, though. I mean, it's not. I mean, it doesn't affect me in any way. It just looks a bit ugly. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and there's nothing you can do about it, even a crack podiatrist like you. It's, no, no, even 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 a brilliant one like me. Yeah. Can't, no, that, I mean, I mean, you could have the, the nail removed, and it doesn't matter if you do that. No, yeah. there's no need for that. It's not, it's the Osler's toe. Why Osler? Well, what's an Osler? It works with horses or something like that, historically. It, that's, yeah, yeah, well done. Thanks. Um, herdsmen, Oslers. That's right. They used to get, um, they used to have their toes stood on a lot by horses, cows. And that's what called Osler's toe? Because it damaged the matrix and it's permanent damage. Yeah. I'm going to give you a round of applause, but I'm not. I'm not. I'll give you a round of applause for the answer, the original answer. But I'm not. I'm not paying for that consultation. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll do it for free. But I, if I do it for free, I don't get to use any local anaesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> I might confiscate your applause if you're not careful. Yeah. What I love about well played. What I love about this is the best of Mr. Our podcast goes on British Airways flights now for the in-flight entertainment. And it's up to Caroline, the producer, which bits make the tape. I love the idea of someone flying several thousand feet in the sky listening to me talk to Stephen Crowborough about my manky toe and the fact that I can bite my own toenails. I've got a feeling it might not make the final edit, but if it does, and you are listening to this on your holidays, just be thankful that you don't have a toe like mine, because when I wear flip-flops, I'm constantly aware of the fact that somebody at some point is going to go, what the hell happened to your toe? And I'll have to tell them, you will not have that miserable experience on your holiday, so there you go. Hey, not only that, but you're going on holiday and I'm stuck here at work. So, there's another reason to be cheerful. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Mystery Hour is underway. Questions that still need answers involve cigarette butts, chickens and newborn babies. I've also got room for a few more. If you've got one that needs an answer, you know what to do. 03456060973 is the number that you need. The time now is just coming up to half past 12. Simon Conway is here with the headlines. Jeremy Co- Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. 12.33, and don't worry, it's only my matrix that's been corrupted. I haven't, I haven't affected any damage upon the broader universe. It's, uh, it's only my nail matrix that has been corrupted. If you're just tuning in and you've got no idea what I'm talking about, well, look, I'm the one that's saying it, and I'm not quite sure what I'm talking about either, so don't feel bad. Uh, this chap listens far too closely. It's brilliant. So first it was the metaphorical arm of pernicious racism, and now it's the... Uh, uh, a corrupted nail matrix. Stubbsy, Richard, that, I, I'd forgotten about the metaphorical arm of pernicious racism. Something for the regular listeners there. Let's crack on with Mystery Hour. Uh, John's in Trelawney. That's near Rill, isn't it, John? No. Oh. It's, not, it's not far. Well, hang on. When you say it's not far, how near Rill is it? Uh, about six miles. That's blimmin' near Rill, mate. You're talking about the whole of the United Kingdom. You can't get much nearer than Rill than six miles, apart, obviously, from five it's miles, four miles. It's feet up. It's what? a long way up. Yeah, all right. I was just trying to sort of demonstrate a little bit of local knowledge. I wish I hadn't bothered now. What I usually say next is, oh, Rill's never been the same since they shut the Sun Centre. 
yeah. All right, I won't, I'll, I'll, I won't bother with that. Yeah. That goes my banter for the week. What did you ring in for? Question or answer? <laughs> Well, I've been waiting a little while. That's not a complaint, but I've got a chicken tied in a tea towel on top of the kitchen uh, sink, so bear with me. Oh, you pervert. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an answer to your chicken question. Is it? Surprisingly Go on. enough. Go on. Um, you were right halfway. Yeah. It is down to breeding. Um, birds that are in captivity are bred to bang out eggs, generally for 18 months to two, two years on a regular basis, as long as they're fed well. And yes. they're fed well with layers pellets, so they produce good eggs. That's right. And that just means that over the years, w w whenever a chicken has been a particularly good layer, they've bred from it. And, uh, and then as generations and generations and generations pass, you end up with a, with, a, with, a, with a layer like the ones you have. Yes, and naturally, birds like hens will lay up to about 10 eggs, one after another every day, and then sit on them for three weeks. We have oh, bred really? out of them generally about not sitting on their eggs, although a lot of hens do get broody from time to time. And does removing the egg add to this? I I'm not sure it does. A lot of people are suggesting that because we take the egg away, they lay another one. But, but in my experience, I had a couple of chickens for a, for a shortish period of time, and sometimes if we forgot to clear them out, you'd go in and pick up five or six. Yeah, they, well, often they will lay, if it's a nice dark area, yeah. the hens will lay in the same, uh, same nest anyway in captivity. But they will lay every day um, so that when they hatch the chicks out, they don't take days to hatch out. They'll only t hopefully take oh, of course. days to hatch out. Oh, yes, of course. they laid in a staggered way. Did you say that was only half of the answer? Well, the half of the answer is they've been bred, and yeah. the other half is that they fed well. Yes. And if you feed a hen well, they will lay eggs. That's what they're producing. That's what they've been bred to produce, but they've got to be fed well to produce an egg. What are your qualifications, John? I am a, I'm a, ch I'm a ch uh, chicken keeper That'll of do. 50 hens. You've got 50? Yeah, around. around and, and do you sell the eggs? you just sell them at the bottom of the garden? or, or, or do you? Over, yeah, you're not supposed to. If you have under 50 hens, you, you can sell them to anybody. If you have over 50, you're supposed to be checked. Well, you, you've got, got 49, 49 haven't you? Yeah, I could I tell that from that. here. Yeah, 49. Yeah. Thank you very much, officer. Just the 49. What's that? 51? No. Yeah, exactly. Back to 49 again. Fantastic. It's a, an egg a day keeps the butcher away. But, well, that's it. Um, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's, I love, it's, it's a beautiful one. I'm my, my hen's nail on the... So maybe it's got a matrix problem. So no, 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 no. Not everyone wants one now. Why have you got a chicken wrapped in a tea towel on top of your fridge? because it's got an infective nail in one of its feet and I'm just cleaning it. Shut the front door. Are you serious? Yes, of course I'm serious. You've just gone tri-topical. That's quite unbelievable. Well, you know... Do you want me to get the podiatrist back on? Do you want me to get the podiatrist back on? I don't know if he does no, chickens. He was, he was very good on humans. I know. Please don't. <laughs> Round of applause for John. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. So I don't normally get a laugh out. Well, I do, actually. But I'll I tell you what, if you haven't laughed out loud yet this hour, then I'll give you the money myself. Nigel's in Headcorn in Kent. Nigel, question or answer? Question, James. Carry on, mate. Right. Um, I was in Goa um, a few years back with some friends. All right. And they're staying in a hotel, and on the veranda there was a fridge. We pulled out a bottle of bislery, you know, the water you get in India. I don't. I don't. It's, it's just normal water, is it? Normal still mineral water. Straight out, well, supposedly straight uh, out of the uh, the mountains, but who knows? Yes. Anyway, so we poured the glasses. The first glass I poured turned to ice. Yeah. That was 16 years ago, and I still haven't been able to find out the answer. So, so you had a glass, and you took a bottle. You took a bottle out of the fridge. Yeah. You poured it into the glass, and it turned solid in the glass. Yeah. Had the glass been in the fridge? No. And it was about. 
probably about 95 degrees outside. Had you outside been well. partaking of any of no, the I, local I punches? Been, you know, <laughs> there were three other people. Well, so what? <laughs> they could all have, you could have bought it by the bucket load in Goa, from what I'm told. Had you not yeah, been partaking... I'm sure, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. But that is the truth. And I, I've, I've been... I've spoken to so many different people over the last 15, 16 years, and no one can come up with an answer. Well, I, I, I'm going to... So we take your word for it. You poured water, it left the bottle as liquid, and it hit the glass as solid. Yep. All right, well, this is one for Professor Hal, isn't it? Who? Professor Hal. Oh, sorry, I don't know Professor Hal. So you're not even a Mystery Hour regular. You just happened upon this and I you... I am, but last time I rang, because I was trying to find the answer to this, this problem, and I was waiting ages and ages, and I had to go out, so, um... Oh, I'm very sorry for being so popular, <laughs> Nigel. What do you want? A, writ- a written apology? All right, we'll try and get... Professor Ahal is the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton. And he is... Oh, where, sorry? The University of Brighton. Why, are you going to check his credentials? <laughs> Just checking. I just want to make sure. It's, it's a good university, trust me, it's not... <laughs> <laughs> and and he, he's answered more mystery hour questions than anybody else, and this is well, right. I look forward to it. Well, case. I hope he might not know the answer. I put the pressure on. He's probably on his holidays. Nigel, thank you. I'm glad you got on this time. Start, I mean, Gary knows. Gary's just tweeted to say he's tried redial a hundred thousand times. He feel his pain, and Nigel's moaning about being kept on hold. Appalling manners. Twenty to one is the time. Aurelia is in Islington. Aurelia, question or answer? Question. How old are you, Aurelia? I am ten years old. Do you know that you've just got me into terrible trouble? Uh, no. Do you know why? No. Because my ten-year-old asks me every time they're on the school holidays whether or not she can ring into Mystery Hour, and I say that she can't, and then she'll hear another ten-year-old ringing into Mystery Hour, and she'll phone me out later, and she'll go, Daddy, why was Aurelia allowed to phone in with a question when I'm not allowed to? But that's my problem, not yours. What is your question, Aurelia? Well, I'm terribly sorry about that. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) What's your question? My question is, can giraffes cough? And I think my answer is no, because I don't think we'll be able to climb up the long neck. It would be too far for the cough to travel from the lung all the way up the line. I don't know. How would we find out the answer to that? We'd have to go and sort of watch a giraffe for ages. Probably. I don't know. And how long have you been wondering about this? Um, About a week. Okay, not that long then. Although when you're 10, I suppose a week's a bit longer than it is when you're 44. Can giraffes cough? And it's definitely a cough. Would you be satisfied with a sneeze? Um, no. It has to be a cough. Can giraffes cough? Crucial yeah. question. Right, we will get you an answer, Aurelia. I pro- well, I will do my level best to get you an answer. Thank you thank very much. Thank you very much. Oh, bless you, and thank you as well. 12.41 is the time. Can giraffes cough? What happens to all the cigarette butts that get washed down the drain? And why do newborn babies, why do some newborn babies move around a lot and others don't? Mark is in, we need some more questions, don't we? Mark's in Bromley. Mark, question or answer? Question. Carry on. Right, if you're driving along the road and you come to a humpback bridge... As you yeah, well, yeah, 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 you know motoring questions normally don't get through on the grounds of being too dull. This is brilliant. All right, this well, really? All right, big man, bring yep. it on. So, you're driving up, and as you go over the humpback bridge, yep. the driver doesn't lose his stomach, but all the passengers do. Even if they're watching, you still lose your stomach. Why? Concentration. Nonsense. What? No, no, you know, if you're watching and you're a passenger, you go, here we go, I'm going to lose my stomach, you, you still do. Well, and the driver never right. does? No. All right, quick show of hands. Well, you wait there a minute, Mark. I'm talking to a different Mark now. Do you recognise this? Do you drive a lot? It's true, is it? I still lose my stomach as well. Caroline, do you use your stomach? You go over a humpback? What? 
Really? Well, you put him through. You're just trying to cover your own back now. What about Sophie? Do you have, do you recognise this at all? No, mate. We don't. We're not buying the premise of your question, Mark. It's a hundred percent factual. Well, no, it isn't because I've driven you. over a bridge and my tummy's turned over, man. You calling me a liar on my own show? You don't. I do. If you're a passenger, you do. No, I've I've done it as a driver. No. Well, look, do you know what you're doing? No, mate, you're being too binary. We've got got to moderate this a little bit. We've got to move it into the grey area, move away from the tyranny of the black and the white. So your question thus becomes, why are you more likely to feel your tummy flip over when you're a passenger than you are when you're a driver? I'll take that. Yeah, right. I think you're wrong, but... Well, you can't say that I'm wrong, because I am proof that I'm right, and so is Mark, and Sophie and my colleagues here have felt our tummy turn when we've gone over a bridge. I've never heard you be wrong in the last six years. I don't suppose you're going to start. I was wrong yesterday, mate. I, I, I was wrong yeah. about video games, traumatising. Well, I wasn't really wrong about it. What have I been <laughs> wrong? I, no, I have been wrong. I was wrong about something really huge recent. Dogs. Dogs. I was wrong about dogs. Uh, I must have been away that day. All right. All right. I might change my mind back again soon. Mark, we'll get, we'll get you an answer. Is there, is there a link between dry... Because when I, I... I've told you before, when I was a kid, I got terribly seasick on a, on a, on a ferry. And I stuck all my money in the video games, and I, and I, and I, and I, I wasn't seasick for the duration of the journey because I was concentrating so hard on the video game. I bet it's like that. I bet it's linked to that. But we'll find out for sure. We need a proper answer. Nick's in Kensington. Nick, question or answer? Uh, it's an answer. That's me, and it's Mick with an M. Oh, all right. Sorry. It is you. Well done. <laughs> well improvised. <laughs> Just kept the ball in the air. Mick Don't is in Kensington. Question or answer, Mick? It's an answer. Yes. Yeah, cigarette butts. Yes. In the, in the old drones. Yeah. In and out of London, right? They'll go all over the pavements, don't they, in the curbs? That's get right. Swept in, down the road gullies. What happens is, inside the gully, there's a pot. So it's basically a, a big bucket which just collects it. All the debris gets filtered into there, it just collects before it goes out to the outlet. So, in theory, all the butts should just stay inside that pot. They shouldn't be going through out, out through to the sewer. And then the pot gets emptied. And in Westminster's finest, or whoever council's finest, come along, suck it out. Yeah, every six months, gets yeah. collected, taken away. That's You're it. Done. That's, uh, that makes perfect sense. That's, uh, that's a nice answer. So, um, uh, Jasmine in Brighton has nothing to worry about. There is no danger of a buttergeddon somehow driving mm, I London. I would have thought so, Pro- providing they're all cleaned out all right properly. And, uh, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, apart from that, you just got to stop scruffy people chucking loads of stuff everywhere. Uh, I know, I wish they flipping would, but it's hard with a cigarette end, I guess, if there's nothing nearby to stub it out on. What, um, what are your qualifications, Mick? Um, I'm a training engineer. So do you well, go? Do you go under? Companies in London. Do you go underground, or are you are you sort of shoving? Yeah, yeah, no, it's mostly overground, but we do get involved in going in and out of sewers as well. So yeah, your your, uh, your little statement about the fatbergs, that's quite correct. Nice well. work that's at this time. It, nice work when the weather's like this. I bet, isn't it? Oh, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, yeah, at least you got you got yourself a mystery hour round of applause. So it's not all bad. Yay! There we go. Give that to Mick. Make sure we change his name on the records as well. I don't come on and call him Nick again. Twelve forty-five is the time. There goes the. Cigarette butts. So, do giraffes cough? Why do some newborn babies move more than others? And is there a link when you go over a humpback bridge? We we think, because Mark reckons it's true, no one else is particularly persuaded, that if you're the driver, you might be less likely to feel your tummy turn over. Is there a reason for that? Oh, and then there was the ice water. What was the name of the nice man who asked about the iced water? Can anyone remember? He'd been in Goa, all those... I, I remember what his name was. His name was Nigel, I think, wasn't it? Was it Nigel who asked about the... Yeah, it was Nigel who asked about the iced water. He was in Goa. Come here a minute, if you're just tuning in. Old Nigel, right? 
He was in Goa 16 years ago. He got a bottle of water out of the fridge. He poured it into a glass. The water came out of the bottle as a liquid, but by when it hit the bottom of the glass, it was ice. 15 years he's been asking people to explain that to him. None of them can. After the travel news, we think we, we, think we know a bloke who might just be able to deliver some satisfaction in Nigel's direction. Ten minutes to one. Your stomach is weird, James. Mine doesn't do that while driving, but the passengers do. The driver is subconsciously tied to the machine car as an extension of their body and subconsciously braces somehow. The passengers, while they know it's coming, won't know the exact point of the hill apex. Hmm. Uh, unfortunately, as you sent that one, Jim, Stan sent this one. I drive and my stomach goes every time, mate. P.S. Great show. Cheers, Stan. Uh, Ron is in Hatfield. Ron, question or answer? An answer. Bring it on, Ron. It's to... Yeah, it's to the, uh, the frozen water thing. Oh, yeah. I, uh... I know because I've had it happen to me, and I think it's probably because I'm in a similar situation. I was a, I'm a, I was a defense contractor in the military, and I was in uh, Afghanistan. And there, uh, you know, there's no running water, so all the water gets delivered in in bottles, and people just stuff them into freezers and fridges and stuff like that. Yeah. So when you want some water, you have to just grab it out of the fridge. For and sure. once I went, I was thirsty, and I went to grab some water out of the freezer, and they were, and it was liquid when it was in there. And I grabbed the bottle out, and it immediately turned to ice. And I did it twice more, and all three bottles turned immediately to ice, kind of in my hand before I could even open it. And what happens is it's called uh, super freezing. So if you put something, if you, if you start to freeze something, as it gets closer and closer to the freezing point and, and kind of not quite goes over, the kind of molecules, the structure of it is just ready to freeze. So as soon as you disturb it by squeezing it or picking up or jostling it, it immediately freezes. And the same thing actually happens when, uh, for boiling too. There's a would it would it have to boiling. be it would have to be under pressure for that to work. So you'd have to have that seal on the bottle. No, no. I I think no. you would. Uh, no, actually, um, on myth on MythBusters, the other way around. Uh, it turns out like for for boiling, if you like boiled distilled water, if you tried to and you took it out just before it boiled, and it was in a cup or a mug, and you dropped a fork in the top, it would immediately evaporate. But I'm pretty sure for freezing, uh... I, 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 well, I don't see how, unless it was under pressure, it would have just frozen in the freezer. No, uh, no, no, you know, if you put a, if you put a capped water bottle in the freezer, it freezes as well. But, yeah, but uh, not, 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 really not I mean, not, usually it does, but it's a curious combination, because a lot of bottles won't have turned to ice when you took them out. It's a combination of the pressure and the, and the temperature, I suspect. I can't see how it, because otherwise, if, if you were completely right, it would work on all bottles. It would never, it would never it, not it happen. Does. Huh? It, do, it does. The thing is, like, well, no, it doesn't. It, it doesn't work on all bottles because the number of people listening to this program who've taken a bottle out of the fridge, poured it into a glass, and seen it turn to ice is not going to be one hundred percent, is it? it? It is. It is like right. if you if you go on YouTube right now and look up and look up the MythBusters. Yeah. They were trying to figure out why it happened itself, and they froze the water to that temperature. And every time, it's just it's just kind of luck of the draw. Like most people don't really freeze water, is the thing. I listen. I can't. I can't. I can't give you a round of applause for this, Ron. I feel bad because I, I haven't heard any science. All I've just heard is the phrase "super freezing." If I was going to dream up a name for something to, to describe what you've just described, I think I'd call it "super freezing." No, it exists. You can. You can. You can look it up. Well, I know I can look it up, but I still. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to look it up. The point of mystery is that I don't have to look it up because your explanation no. of what is going on is so definitive that I don't need to look it up. Okay, all right. Let me try to explain a lot. You're a good guy, and I'm, and I'm grateful to you. But I, I, where's Professor Hal? Where's, has Professor Hal not rung in? Has he rung in? Where's Professor Hal? No, no, it's it, it, it's not that complicated. It's the thing. You know, when water freezes, the structure of it changes, and it just has... Just yeah, no, but the, the, here's the point. It's right, right there when you say it's not that complicated, and then you talk about a structural change in H2O that is affected by... It, it, that is complicated. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just evaporation and freezing and stuff. I mean, that it happens all the time. I mean, it's not as complicated as, like, I don't know, fission in the sun or something like that. But okay. uh, really, I, it's just, you know, I, I, just putting ice in the water in the, in the freezer. Okay, I, I, I'm still not going to give you a round of applause, and I still feel bad about it because, but, and it's my fault because yeah. you, your explanation, I'm sure, is brilliant, but uh, it's just not doing enough for me. It's not, it's not carrying me over the water, so to speak. Twelve fifty-four is the time. Uh, don't forget, the holiday season is here, and every Sunday night from eight on LBC, Clive Bull and a panel of experts answer your questions in the travel hour. There's more information at lbc.co.uk where you can also win a European break to your pick of destinations, including Paris, Rome or Athens. It's all thanks to Gatwick Express, who are helping you arrive without the stress. Brian's in Sunbury. Brian, question or answer? Well, answer. Go on. Water. Uh, melted. It's the water... The freezing point of water, you must have done this at school, it's just physics. If you hang a piece of wire, weighted wire, across a block of ice, it cuts down through the ice because it melts it under pressure. Yeah. So one reason that that could have happened, there may be a triggering effect like your other guy was talking about, um, but one reason that would happen is because the water was under pressure. Thank so you. as soon as the pressure dropped... Thank you. Are, are, you tell, well, are you a proper scientist? Well, I, I, I was for 14 years. I'm a chartered physicist and a chartered engineer, yeah, but I became boom. a businessman after that. No, don't worry about all that business. It's just the, the chartered physics, mate. That's it. Yeah, nice. And one, the other yeah. thing, it's, it's, it's the shock of the surprise going over a bridge. I think you. No, 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 no don't spoil it. You're only allowed to do one. No, 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 no. Oh, Get back in your box. Oh, we haven't oh, finished wait. with the water yet. So the pre- so, so yeah. explain it to me again. The, the, so the water's very cold in the bottle, but when you change the pressure, it freezes. It could do, yes, if there's enough differential, because the, wa- the, the melting point of water is pressure-dependent. Brian, I'm going to give you a round of applause, albeit that Professor Hal is waiting around the corner with possibly a challenge to your answer. <laughs> Professor Hal is here, the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton. Take it away, Hal. Hello, James. Hello, um, I just caught the tail end of this. Um, well, what have you been I doing? Whoa, 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 whoa. I was actually in a misconduct panel, but that's ne- not as a defendant, as a prosecutor. But anyway, let's that. move on from that. How did it go? Um, no, let's not. How did it go? No, I can't, I can't say, mate. Seriously. <laughs> um, antifreeze. Anti- if you put impurities into water, you lower the freezing point. That's why we put antifreeze into our car radiators. Oh, yes. And why we put salt, uh, salt onto the road and so on and so forth. And um, this is a really interesting thing. Often when you undo the top of a fizzy um, pop, it'll freeze straight away, or beer, or anything. And what happens is it stays a liquid because it's got carbon dioxide, which is an impurity, and it stops the water molecules turning into ice. As soon as you take the top off, the pressure's released, a lot of the carbon dioxide comes out of solution, and therefore the freezing point goes up, and that's why it freezes. So I was completely right. Um, Yes, all right then. You were completely right. Yes, you were. It wasn't nothing to do with pressure. Pressure affects boiling point. It doesn't affect melting point. No, because you release the pressure, which allows the carbon dioxide to escape. Yes, I know. I wasn't. I was agreeing with you. I'm on your side, mate. I'm I, saying. I was agreeing with you. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! We're going to have a misconduct panel in a minute if you carry on like this. <laughs> Who told you I've been misconducting? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just heard it somewhere. Um, round of applause for Hal, although half of it's mine. Right. Good work, Professor. Charles is in Peckham. Charles, question or answer? Oh, I'm in a strand now. <laughs> oh, sorry about it. Oh, I can't talk to you then. I've done, no, I've done my strand quota for the week, mate. I need someone from Peckham before <laughs> I can clock off. Go on, what have you got? Um, look, you've heard the thing about the stomach going over thing. You, you've got, you had a lot of information there. Absolutely right. The driver can prepare himself with his core muscles. He knows what's coming. Hello? Yeah, I'm listening to you. I'm just wondering who you're listening to. No, so I'm just tucking myself in a doorway so I can hear you better. Oh, bless you. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you, you have time to prepare your core muscles, you've prepared for it. All the other sensory things are going on, but that's a physical one. It's like if you dart, darted left and right, your passengers would, you know, if you didn't warn them... They, they wouldn't be leaning into it and leaning out of it, which explains why some drivers don't feel it, but other drivers do, because they're not sort of... Uh, especially if it's a new bridge. Quite often when you go over a humpback bridge, you don't realise it's a humpback bridge. I bet you man Mark, who asked the question, is thinking about the same bridge that he goes over a lot, and therefore sort of charges his muscles, as it were. And the more you concentrate as well, I reckon, the more likely it would be. Round of applause for Charles, please. He didn't get an answer to Aurelia's question about coughing giraffes. Aurelia, I am so sorry. I, I may break the habit of a lifetime and put that on the list next week. So, so charming was the way you asked the question, and so intrigued am I now to know the answer. I've got, I've got one on text, but I don't think we can do texts. I mean, I'll let Aurelia decide. That's it from me for another day. We'll do it again tomorrow morning from 10. The next voice you will hear on LBC belongs to Sheila Fogarty. Thank you, James. Uh, later on from three, two men have been jailed for a year after rashes of bacon were tied to door handles at a Bristol mosque. The men admitted religiously aggravated public order offences, but is jailing them the answer? Were there better ways to deal with these individuals? Uh, after two, reversing the menopause, scientists claim that they now can by rejuvenating women ovaries. Is this a miracle cure or manipulation of the natural phases of a woman's life? Are we right to try to fundamentally extend a woman's fertile years? And after the news at one, the release of government papers always throws out interesting stuff. The latest batch revealing Margaret Thatcher's concerns over immigration from what she called the coloured commonwealth. Uh, do her words show her to be a racist or merely reflect the language of the time? <laughs>